0: want to give you a snapshot of the church in the the book of Acts chapter 11. We're going to read uh, from verse 20. I don't know where they'll be on the screen, but uh, you see, there had been a persecution about Stephen, and the people were scattered, and they travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only amongst the Jews. However, Some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks, also telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. Now the Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem and because they were a church under authority, they were open to receiving input. How about you? They sent Barnabas to Antioch and when he arrived he saw the grace of God that that he had done and he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all of their hearts. He was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and faith. What a great combination. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul and when he found him, He brought him to Antioch for a whole year. Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. They met for a whole year seeking, teaching and hearing it. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch and one of them named Agabus stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. Now this happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, provided help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea and they did this by sending their gifts to the elders By Barnabas and Saul. If you've got a Bible, flick over a couple of pages to chapter 13 and we'll read verse 1. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. They had different ministries. Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucas of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with the Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting... The Holy Spirit said, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. What type of church do you want to be in? What type of fellowship do you think you need to be a part of? Those of you who know me, I pastored an American military church. It was in the American Air Force with F-111 jets, a really fast jet. And we were in Upper Hayford there in Oxfordshire, and our place where we met was on the end of the runway. It was a little community hall. And if they did a Sunday launch, our service was at four in the afternoon, and if at three they did the 3.45 launch of the jets, we couldn't start service because the jets flew right over where we met, and the whole place shook. But you know what? It didn't matter because everybody in the church was a military church. And so, you know, just to say this, they were all on time because it was a military church. (laughs) Take the hint. And... uh, they, uh, they were all on time, and so they would look out the window, and we'd all gather at the side, even though we were waiting to start service, and the jet would fly over, and they would go, you know what, I may be the chef that makes the hamburgers, that feeds the pilot, but I'm part of flying that. I may be the person who has painted the camouflage, but I'm part of flying that mission. I may be the mechanic that fixed the wheel, but I'm part of that mission. I may be the nurse that that helps the family that is sick right now of the pilot, but I'm making it part of I'm part of that mission. And everybody felt brought in and invested in in flying that jet, whether they were the pilot or not, because they all had a role to play in that jet taking off. Why do you come to church? There's a difference between just going to church and knowing why you go to church. What type of church... Do you want to be a part of? What type of person do you want to be in order to make the church what it is? You see, we are on a mission here. We're here to change things, we're here to change ourselves, and we're here to make a change in others. We're here so that we can invite as many people to Jesus as possible. By the way, if you want to say amen to any of this, you can, because I want to see as many people coming to Jesus as possible. How about you? We need to fill up Birmingham with more Christians. Who agrees with me on that? You know, we're here to become as close to Jesus as possible. I don't want it to be a shock when I get to heaven. I want to know his voice and know his presence. Who's with me? We're here to be like Jesus. We're here to bring the kingdom of God. God's righteous reign and rule and his peace in people's lives. We are here to be in the presence of God and to know his presence. It's really important that you know why you're here. Because listen to this. God has an incredible life for you. Now you might have heard this type of preaching and this positive type of preaching a lot. And because of scars, because of things you've been through, and because of some of the things that you've been disappointed in... You've subtly started to give up on, on the fact that God has got a beautiful, incredible life for you. And I want to arrest that. I want to stop that thinking in your mind today. Look, it may be the summer, but I'm going to work so hard to operate in an anointing and a prophetic word to you today. I want you to understand that I'm not just filling time till September. I believe God woke me up and said this to me. You have to tell them that I've still got an incredible plan for their life. (laughs) Amen? God has got something for you. You must not give up on that. I want to talk to some of you older Christians. Don't settle. Don't think that God is saying, okay, I've got my maturity, and I think that I'm just going to go as best I can now. It's going to take some faith and courage. It really is. But listen, I want to prophesy over you. The next 10 years of your life are going to be the best 10 years that you have ever had. Amen. Listen, I'm 58. By the time I get to 68, I'm prophesying over me that I'm going to have the best decade of my life so far. How old are you? I don't know, it's great to see Hannah and Nandi or Amika in church today. They just got married a month, uh, well, a couple of weeks ago. It isn't even a month. This is going to be the best 10 years of your life. Now, I want you to receive that. Jason, I'm saying it over you. Your next 10 years is going to be the best 10 years of your life. Can you receive that? I believe God's told me to say that to you today. You see, God is training you now for the bigger future that you're going to have. A good friend reminded me of this. I think I was forgetting about it. And they reminded me this week. They said, Mark, God's training you. Some of the things that are happening, he's training you so that you can receive the bigger future that God has for you. None of you are winding down. You're getting closer to serving Jesus in the way that he's designed for you to do. But that direction is not just going to come willy-nilly or however you just think it might just come by random chance. Now it might be that God leads you on a bit of a trial and error. But in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said this, Enter through the narrow gate. You see, Jesus offers clarity. He offers direction. He offers hemming you in, actually, a little bit, so he can get you to the bigger future. He said, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through that. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. The way is narrow. It's clear. You'll have clear choices. that You'll have to say, no, I'm sorry, I can't do that, but I am doing this because God's showing me this. The way is narrow, but the life is big. Don't think that when we talk about a narrow way, we're talking about a measly life. We're not. It's a narrow way, but it takes big faith and choices. You know, it's going to take some faith to get you where God is taking you. Look at this picture on the screen. It's one of my favorite pictures. I might have shown it to you before, but for me, this is Peter Who's just stepped out of the boat and he's started to sink, but Jesus is going to pull him up out of the water. Listen, you may have stepped out. You may have uh, tried some faith, and it hasn't seemingly hasn't worked, but I want you to know that Jesus is going to pull you up every time and set you back going again. Amen. Now, your church is going to be part of your future. You're not going to inherit your future just on your own. It will have a part to play because God loves his church. It's his bride. It's his destiny to gather as many people into the church as possible so that he can win more people to himself. And when you think about the type of church that you want it's the ter- type of church that will help you get to you towards your destination and towards your calling. In fact, I'm going to be as bold as to say what we learn from Antioch is it's by being the church that you get your calling. You know, when it comes down to it, when we get past some of the obvious style preferences of music and chairs or whatever, I think, that people come to church and they, they want to feel like their church is going somewhere, that there's a mission to it. But when we talk about church today, and when I talk about Antioch today, I'm talking about people. I'm talking about you. We're going to feel like the church is going somewhere. I think when you come to church, you want to feel like you're fed and you get something out of it so that it can shape your life and your calling. So that you can get some food to do your ministry even throughout the week. To, to enable you to work well in the place of work that you've been sent to. I think when you come to church you want to connect with some people. And I'm not talking about you guys sitting on the edge here literally. But I, I would say, well why are you sitting over there? Uh, you know, I'm not talking about you but some people they sit on the edge all the time. And I think we come to church because we want to connect. You want to be welcomed. You want to know that you're valued. In fact, just if you're sitting next to somebody, just turn to them now and just tell them that they're welcome. Just tell them now, just say, you're welcome here. I think when we come to church, we want to come to a place that's making a difference. That we just want to just do meetings. That we want to just make a difference. And I think when we come to church, you want your minister to have something in God. I think you want to sense God. I just want God to be here, don't you? What's the point of us gathering if God doesn't show up? If, we, if, we don't, if God doesn't show up, we haven't got a church, we've got a club. We've got a singing club and a speaking club. But I want God's presence in our gathered church, don't you? I really want God to show up. And you know, if we are to be that type of church together, we can learn a lot from the pattern of Antioch. Both as individuals, we need to be like them. Look, just go over, if you're there in your Bible in in chapter 11, Antioch broke boundaries and welcomed people who were different. It says that they were used to speaking to the Jews, but they said, why, not? Why can't we speak to Greeks? And you know what? Every single nation is welcome here. Everybody who lives in Birmingham is welcome here. Antioch got stuck into the Word and had sustained exploration into what the Bible was and what, how to live the Christian life. Are you willing to be trained in a sustained way? I know you have busy schedules, but how are you going to be trained in living the Christian life? If you take the church out of that, then you just have an individual Christianity. How are you going to connect to be trained? You have to challenge us on that question. You have to also answer that question. For a whole year, they met with Barnabas and Saul. They were a church that were willing to have prophetic input. People came from Jerusalem. They were under authority and they heard what prophets said had to say, I wonder if you're willing to receive. During uh, their journey, they were also willing to be generous. They heard about the Judean Christians and they thought, we need to answer that need. They were willing to be generous beyond themselves. They also had prophets and teachers, different ministries that meshed together, that weren't competitive They worked together to make sure that the atmosphere of God was there. And they sent out people to help others. What a great church. And they made their decisions spiritually through the Holy Spirit, through fasting. I wonder how we are making our decisions. That was the nature of the church. It was the nature of the people in it. So when I talk about the church today, I'm not talking about just an institution or a gathering. I'm talking about you. There are three important things I want to just lift up from Antioch really briefly. You and your training. You and your equipping gift. And you and your calling. These three things are really important in Antioch. I could put it this way. The church training you The church shaping your gift and your calling, and the church sending you. In this day and age, everybody sends themselves. That wasn't scriptural. In the New Testament, people were sent in relationship with the church. Let's look at number one. In Antioch, they were prepared to train. I want to say it this way, but it's the wrong metaphor. They incubated themselves. They put themselves in an arena of training over a long period of time. Now, I don't think it was a a training that was like an incubator in in the sense that I think they still witnessed to people. I still think they were generous. I still think they uh, did trial and error type of work. But it was a training set for them. Can I say to you, God has a unique sphere of rhythm and grace and place for you, and you have to nurture it as well as receive it. You have to be prepared to say, God, you're placing this in me. How am I going to train that out so I can be more effective in it? Please don't live in comparison or competitiveness. If you've got a Bible with you, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and just go to verses 12 there. Because God has put something in you that he wants to stretch out of you and train out of you. But he's put it for you. You mustn't compare yourself to anyone else. This is what the Bible says. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with someone who, with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they're not wise. We, however, will not boast beyond our proper limits, but we will confine our boasting to the sphere. Listen to this: to the sphere of the service of God. That he himself has assigned to us. And that sphere includes you. God has assigned you a space and a sphere of your ministry. He's placed an assignment. You don't have a racetrack, you have a grace track. God wants to, to put you on a track where you bless others and are assigned to help others. But it's your gift, it's your thing. Being invested in by others and by the church so that you can find it. Look, I want to say to you today, don't just survive as a Christian. I want to prophesy over you. Thrive. Don't just survive. Thrive. Receive more. You have more in you. You absolutely do. Some of you are leveling off. God wants your next 10 years that you thrive in Him, discovering the gifts and receiving more of God's grace. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand, clap of praise. He just wants you to do more for Him. The second thing I learned about Antioch is that they were organized in a spiritual way. They had different ministries and different gifts, but they worked together. They, it was like teams to bring out dreams. They were part of teams to bring God's dream and their dream. You see, you've got a unique gift. You've got something that God has put in you. Ah, uh, you're not getting it. You, you know what? Some of you, who's got pets? Anybody got pets in the house? Which which strange people keep pets? Anybody? You, you you've got a dog or a cat. You know, we try and make our pets like us. You know, your little Fifi or Foo-Foo dog, whatever you've got. Or that little cat that you put a ribbon round and a collar around and you fluff up their hair. And you think, ooh, my cat's so nice. And he just prowls around the house. And then that cat sees a bird and it's all out the window then. <laughs> or you're walking down the street with your dog. And your dog, you know, you're so proud of him and he's so well-behaved. You can catch a little chocolate button in his mouth and you put a little treat on the end of his nose and you say, wait, 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 wait. And then you say, eat. And he goes, flicks, flicks it up and eats it. You wait till he sees another dog. You wait till he sees a bird. He starts going after it because you know what? He's got an instinct in him. He's got something in him that's been placed in him. Let me say to some of you wives, your husband's a warrior. Don't try and tame him all the time. Who's clapping? Is that the women or the men? Come on, men, you're a warrior for God. You need to be that man, you need to be that person. And stop making your wife that princess who you have to cajole and all the rest of it. Your wife is an Esther who for such a time as this can bring the kingdom in this place and around this city. Stop trying to make each other something that you're not. You've got a gift in you. You've got an instinct from God in you. You've got a grace track in you. And God wants to bring that out. Somebody say amen. Amen. Now, in that, you've got that unique gift. Your church and the people around you in your small group, the people around you in your discipleship, Journey. They'll begin to recognise that. You know, I think the first person really to believe in me is an old holiness preacher called Dolus Messer, and Dolus just had had this way of saying, "You can do this, Mark." And it was because of him that I began to think, you know, what I really should. It's very interesting to me in this famous passage on gifts. Turn with me to Romans 12 if you're there. The the whole discussion of gifts is in the context of the family of God. Romans 12 verses 3 through 6 says, "By By the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. He's not missed any of you out. For just as each of us has has one body with many members, and these members all don't have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to the others. Now this is a passage on gifts, and I've read all of that, and you don't know it's about gifts, because... Where God positions gifts is in the context of the family of God. And you will learn more of your gifts when you accept, I want to be rooted, connected, organized, and and teamed and trained in the family of God. And then in verse 6 he says, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. You know, you could probably make a list of all the things that you can't do. Why don't you start making a list of all the things you can do? Why don't you start writing down, well, I could help there. I could do this. Not just in the church, but in life. Join a team and you'll get better at it. I don't know how to join a team. Just give your name at the info point. We'll get to you. You see, God is not a schizophrenic. He didn't create you one way to use you another way. There'll be a bit of trial and error, but you have an instinctive in God's gift in you. And as you join a team, and as you, instead of scheming all the time, dream it and team it, and God will bring it out in you. Let's start getting formed. The last thing I notice about Antioch is. The first thing is that they trained people. The second thing is they teamed people. And the last thing is, is they sent people out. They were equipped people not just for themselves. But, but they sent people to be a blessing to the world. Now, you don't just go to work. You're sent to work. Oh, did that pass you by? You don't just go to university. You're sent to university. You don't just look after the house. You're assigned to look after the house. You see, you've got an assignment in God that's really important. God's going to send you to some people this week that you can invite to church. You're invading so that you can be inviting. God wants to send you on mission every single week. Brian Houston wrote a book called Live, Love, Lead, and he says this in it. He's the leader of the Hillsong Church. He says, are you prepared to live saved? Are you prepared only to live saved? Or is your commitment to live called? He says this, I believe calling takes away the option of not just settling down. The Apostle Paul put it like this in 2 Timothy 1.9. He has saved us and called us to live a holy life. Not because of anything we've done, but because of his own good purpose and grace. The grace given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. You have a unique calling. Don't give up on that. And you can be sent out. And you have an assignment in God. See, don't give up on your calling. And A life without calling, where you just come every week and just say, well, I've shown up, I've done my duty. But if you don't have any sense of calling, your life will begin to drift. Your, your, your Christianity will begin, begin to become mayonnaise and uh, anemic. What I want to say to you is that If you have a sense of calling, the shape of your calling can be healthily shaped as you're called together in the church. Paul and Barnabas were sent not by themselves. They didn't say, oh, we feel like we should do this. It was the church that decided to send them after teaming with them and shaping them. Of course, Paul and Barnabas had to be willing to be sent. Are you willing to be called? You have been called to the assignment that you're in at the moment. You see, you know the verse. Proverbs 29:18 says, "Where there's no revelation, people cast off restraint. You might know it as where there's no vision, people perish." But where there's no revelation of what God wants you to do, you don't live on a narrow way. You have no restraints. And what God is trying to do is to mold you, hone you, shape you, put you on a direction so that you can follow the God-given calling that he's got for you. And some of you want to make all that up yourself, but it's going to be your rootedness in the church that will get that calling out for you. When you think of yourself, I wonder what impact you think yourself will have. I wonder if you're the sort of person that says, well, I've done too much wrong. I, I can't really have a great calling. But God can redirect you. He can save you. He can change you. You might have messed up loads of times as, as a Christian, but he's still got a plan for you. Amen? You needed to hear that today. It's those small decisions that will affect your future. I don't believe anybody will wake up in this day and say, I think I'll just settle for less. I don't think anybody wakes up to do that. I think they do that, small decisions over time, small disappointments not dealt with. You need to keep your focus on what God wants you to do. You need to dig down again deeply into God's Spirit and say, God, I've heard I'm called. I've heard I'm gifted. I've heard these messages all my life and it's not working. What is it, God? You need to carve out some time. Maybe fasting and prayer, counseling, but you need to get there because God does have a plan for you. I think we need to choose calling over comfort. I think we need to say to ourselves, I'm called. There is something about my life that I must do. I think you need to choose that. But here's the real thing, and this is where the church comes in. Paul was always connected to the church. Sure, he went round as a missionary. He never had an itinerant ministry which was devoid away from the church. Whenever he went round, he either started a church or visited a church. He was always connected to a church. In fact, he was always connected to Antioch. If you notice his life from this point onwards, wherever he went, he always came back to Antioch and got reconnected there, revisited it. If you want your calling to be huge and to be something of pleasure to God and to be something of fulfilling to you, you have to put deep roots down. Even in this city-centre madness church, this has to become a family to you. You won't know everybody, but you have to put your roots down. Because it's a strange thing. In the scripture, as we put our roots down, our wings grow. As we get rooted in God's family, we get propelled into God's mission. The Bible often compares us to trees. In Jeremiah seventeen eight, it says this, they will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by, by the stream. Psalm 92, verses 12 through 13, listen to this. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree and they will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of the Lord. Plant yourself in the good soil of good teaching, good relationships in the church, and you will be sent to places that God has for you much more than you've ever dreamed. It's a strange thing. The people who are planted the most get to fly the most. Can you hear this revelation? Because I believe this is teaching That needs to be said all over the kingdom of God. But particularly here. Be more than a Sunday show up Christian. The scripture talks about you having fruit. And flourishing. Find out how you can rework your schedule. So that you can connect. And flourish in the house of God. Because then your calling will flourish. Antioch was a worshipping, devoted church that made decisions on the basis of the Spirit leading. Can you be Antioch? Can you be that sort of person where you have ne- that you know you have a grace track in your life and you're prepared to get it trained out so it's honed and sharper? Can you be someone who can be connected to others, serving and organised in a dream team? Can you be that person? Can you be the person where you know that you can be equipped? And so therefore, you can have the confidence and authority that even though your full calling isn't there, your calling is coming. Come on, let's stand together, shall we? And I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. You've been so kind to me listening today. But I promise you, over the summer, we're going to give prophetic messages that will propel you into the autumn and winter. I don't know whether you've still got a Bible, but Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people, that's how he opens up. For me, this sums everything up. He said, I'm Paul. I'm not Jason, I'm not Mauricio, I'm not Karen, I'm Paul, I'm me, God you made it me. And then he said, I'm an apostle, he had a role, he had a developing calling, how about you? And then he said, I'm an apostle of Christ, it's really important you know who you belong to, don't you agree? We belong to Christ. Christ. He's got a grace track for you. And he said, by the will of God. You know what? What other authority do you need? The will of God wants to move you to the place. But you see, there's lots of people who who say, oh, by God's will, I'm going to do my own thing. But Paul said, to serve God's holy people. He was always connected to the church. You know, as a symbol of this, and I really appreciate you kind of being the sort of church that wants to worship just in body as well as just mind. I wonder if you could just all come across the aisles and let's all just join hands for just for a few moments. And let's just be one connected physical church. Just come across the aisles and join hands with everybody and because for a few minutes just scoot over guys just for a few minutes I want you to pray for the person on your left and pray for the person on your right if you don't know their name why don't you just ask their name now just say hey what's your name How how do you do it's so nice to have you in our church but why don't you pray now that the grace track the gift that that person has, you call it out and say, I pray for that person. I pray your gifting and your life on them. Let's come on, let's do that. Let's pray for the person on your left. Let them hear you praying. Pray for the gifts that they have. Pray that they'll come out. Really pray for them. Say, so I just pray that their gifts. Lord in everything you've placed in them now I want you to pray this over them God help them walk through their training gap shape them Lord touch them Lord Now pray this over somebody, over them. Say, God, root them in a team that you want them to be in. Root them, Lord. And and if you're not rooted in this place, you pray this prayer right now. Lord, root me in your family. I want to be rooted in the family of God. There is more for you here than just the Sunday experience. Holy Spirit. Yeah, I'm going to say amen to Debbie's prayer. Iron sharpens iron. Come on. Now I want you to pray something else over them. Lord, equip them, give them confidence, and now let them walk in the authority of their gifting, Lord. Pray authority and confidence over the person next to you. If you're here for the first time and this is strange to you, just let it wash over you for a while. Lord, I pray authority. I pray confidence. I pray shaping and training. I pray confidence, authority. Oh, Father. Now, just as you break hands, don't move away from each other, though. We're going to sing this song as a prayer, but don't move away from each other. If, if during this song, there are three things during this song. Is if you're praying for that person during this song as we worship, and God gives you a word, you speak it into their hearts. If you have to lay hands and just pray authority. I want to pray. I just really feel that some people need authority and confidence. So if God gives you a word, you speak it over that person. Don't say anything weird. Don't prophesy death, pregnancy or marriage. Don't be weird. Prophesy life and comfort and strength. We're going to sing this song and if you're ready and you would like to take communion and that would help you seal your decision today to say, I'm going to be rooted. God, I'm not going to give up on my calling. Come and take communion. Maybe that'll be a faith walk for you. And thirdly, if any of you would like prayer about anything, just make your way to the front. But let's just stay connected just as we start singing this song. So three things, either speak something in, take communion, or come for prayer. But let's all sing together. And let's stay together. Thanks, guys. Here I am. Here I. Am.